All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. Come on, it'll be just like in the movies. We'll pretend to be someone else. That's all you have to do! Danny, don't play too much. It may not come out right. I've got to return some video games. Perfect! So before we get started, let me make one thing clear. Most anime adaptations suck. Whether we're talking about the laughably bad Dragon Ball Evolution, or the cringe fest that was Avatar The Last Airbender, or the semi-cash grab that was the Death Note Netflix adaptation, or even the beautiful but abortive attempt at a Ghost in the Shell movie, all have fallen flat. You have some films that come close to pulling it off and fitting both the look and the spirit of the original anime, for example, like Speed Racer or even Battle Angel Alita. However, the accolades only really came after a post-mortem analysis by those who actually gave it a second look, and it happened well after they bombed at the box office. Cowboy Bebop is another in a long line of other attempts to bring this medium of Japanese animation to a Western audience in the form of real actors in a live-action setting. It was also another attempt contributing to a long-held suspicion of mine that with the growth of anime as a medium in America, you had movie and TV execs that were trying to find their next big cash cow to hedge their bet against the Marvel DC bubble that might be on the verge of popping. Not to say that the Batmans or the Ironmans of the cinematic world are going to completely disappear, but for a business focused on perpetual growth, it is going to need another source of revenue. And so... You got Netflix here, and it seems like they're the ones that are willing to give this a go, or at least they did. Knowing all of this, anime fans have a right to be suspicious. For me personally, I felt burnt by the Ghost in the Shell adaptation, where I basically just sat in a dark movie theater and helped line the pockets of Paramount Pictures for the privilege of hate-watching something that was honestly pretty mediocre and something that I could have just as easily have skipped and pretended never existed. It was basically a waste in impotent rage at a system I willfully participated in to my own detriment because I was a fan. This time around, I don't have to spend money on gas or, you know, go to a secondary location to watch this thing since most of my entertainment is now streaming straight to my television. And I like to think I also have thicker skin, as I know that most of these things are forgotten almost as soon as they're released. And here we are yet again, but this time we're in the age of streaming. So... This is the one where you kind of have to ask the big question, is the dreaded animated adaptation pipeline, is this like the start of the boom, or is this another dud destined for the dustbin? To be honest, as of this recording, that question has already been answered with the cancellation of Cowboy Bebop, despite the fact that there were rumors of it being optioned for a second season. I kind of want to use this. Obviously, this is sort of a post-mortem for, an for this anime adaptation, 
But I also just kind of want to treat this as like a regular review. For most people, the most people that may be listening to this, they've already watched it, and you kind of just fall into two extreme categories. You either loved it or you hate it. I'm going to go into my own thing. You know, I think this is, I mean, because I'm a big fan of the anime too, and the way I look at it, it's kind of worth noting. And, you know, by the way, I'm your host, Philip Hauser, and this is your Cinema Enigma solo session. So let's get started. So what brings you back from the dead? A week ago I did a job. A bounty. I had a partner, believe it or not. He know what you used to be? Will I ever see you again? They tried to kill me, Anna. If you need to find me. I go by Spike Spiegel these days. solar system. If the cops and the bounty hunters don't get you, the syndicate will. There's no happy ending here. Spoken like a man who's never been in love. I was. What happened? I was dreaming. What do you say, fellas? You want to team up? I was thinking a 60-40 split. Going my way, of course. Do not shoot her. Please? No. <laughs> what the actual fuck? We're a team. The three of us. Go grab some bounties. Please, I just want to kill her a little bit. God damn it, Spike. It's jam. guys or bad guys depends on who you ask so we'll do a brief introduction here in 1998 you had cowboy bebop which exploded onto the small screen in a big way it was about four bounty hunters, Spike Spiegel, Faye Valentine, Jet Black, Radical Edward, and their dog Ein. And they definitely made waves as a motley crew of the spaceship Bebop as they traveled a broken solar system, catching criminals among a trashed human race that has fled a dying Earth to live among the stars, basically. Very Elon Musk, I suppose. It was definitely at the peak of that high-tech, low-life cyberpunk trend in anime that was going on in the 90s. Uh, Just coming a few short years after the Ghost in the Shell anime film dazzled and confused audiences just a few years prior. However, it really wasn't until, I want to say, the year 2000, 
when the English dub of the show brought in a whole new audience of fans in the United States and, you know, other English-speaking countries. To me, when I think of Cowboy Bebop, I mean, of course, you had Dragon Ball Z, Sailor Moon, and Yu Yu Hakusho, but I feel like Cowboy Bebop was one of those animes that really kind of put the genre on the map. And it created this whole boom in late night cable television where you had like anime that would just play after midnight and you had like the adult swims and the tsunamis that you know really kind of you know benefited from this big push i will say this like despite cowboy bebop being obviously like a japanese you know kind of inspired anime i do get the impression and somebody will have to correct me if i'm wrong that you know it definitely has a mosaic of Western influences, and not just in the cinematography aspect. You have like Quentin Tarantino hijinks. You have some black exploitation action flicks thrown in there, 40s detective noir, and even some Bruce Lee martial arts influenced films. It was an anime that took homage from all walks of media, and it really did blend it seamlessly together until I want to say just basically transcended its influences and became its own microcosm of a genre in and of itself. These days, it's a classic among older anime nerds, and I kind of fall into that category. And I would say probably respected, if seldom touched upon, relic among, like, younger weebs out there. That's kind of saying something when you consider, you know, the modern anime industry is churning out, like, dozens and dozens of anime shows, like, every like i want to say like four to six months they just put a lot out there that's a story for another time but i will say that the characters for this show need no introduction but since netflix was deciding to bring their own twist to them i think it's probably required you have john cho who plays as the mysterious but charming nihilistic protagonist spike spiegel Daniela Pinata, who plays as the femme fatale, and the con artist Faye Valentine. You have Mustafa Shakir, who takes on the role as Jet Black, the ship's captain. And in terms of characters and setting, this is where the series similarities between anime and shows start to end. It's not trying to be a carbon copy of the original, but it's kind of hard to imagine anyone else watching this except for fans who grew up with the anime. But I, I want to say we should probably just get the pink elephant in the room out of the way, like right off the bat. You have the casting. I'm not really interested in getting into the debate on whether the characters are Japanese or Caucasian. There's plenty of theories out there about what Ray, Spike, Faye, and Jet are. And honestly, those those people can kind of just have at it. Even if the creator himself confirmed it, Netflix is not in the business of searching for a unicorn cast, except for the one that's going to bring in the most money and eyeballs. John Cho was probably the next logical choice since Keanu Reeves is too busy and probably unfortunately too old for the role. For Mustafa, he can at least be explained by the fact that the original English voice actor for Jet was black. So, you know, that does, that can actually kind of work out, you know, in that area. For him, and of course, like, he's been in a lot of different Netflix stuff, so he also, I think he's like a very familiar actor for the studio to work with, so I think that was kind of, I mean, that was probably going to work out either way. Then there's, there's... Daniela S. Faye, who's probably the least controversial choice in the mix, unless you were 
complaining about her wardrobe. I mean, honestly, I don't know. I mean, the wardrobe thing, that's another thing I'm not too terribly interested in. I'm willing to just take it as is. This show is definitely, like I said, it's not trying to be like a complete carbon copy. So, you know, you're just going to have to take it at face value. Though, in terms of wardrobes, though, they do kind of look like a trio of, like, cosplayers at your local anime con. Then they do look like bounty hunters, like, on the pro on the prowl for, like, their next bad guy in paycheck. The commitment to showcasing the zany, if not overly stylized, look of the characters is kind of admirable, I suppose, if not absolutely cringe-inducing when you put it onto actors who are trying to be serious and, like, some grunge punk future of gangs, guns, and, like, spaceships. But, you know, I kind of digress. Here's the things that, you know, that I liked about it. One thing that I did like about the show is the setting. You know, they did a really good job making, like, every aspect of the world of Cowboy Bebop look lived in, just like the anime. You know, there's definitely, like, a grit to it. You know, they did have a lot of, um... And I will say this, too. Like, the settings are very interesting. They did, like, a very good job, you know, just having a diversity of, like, locales that these characters are kind of moving in. Even though, you know, it's kind of clear where, like the actual set ends and the green screen begins. I feel like with a lot of modern shows nowadays, that's just something that you just have to accept. I don't really know what else to tell you. I mean, they've gone all in for this, so, you know, you kind of just have to take it or leave it. I think overall, though, I mean, the settings are fine. And I will say this, like, the actors do a decent job. I'm... I mean, these are obviously professional actors. They're working with a with a script. I guess you could say it's a script. It's, I don't know. I will say this. One thing that I find really cringe about it is, like, the writing on this show. I don't know who they got on there, but I think they were trying to appeal some to some, like, ex-Josh Whedon fans out there who are looking for, like, that next show with, like, the snippy dialogue. All of the trimmings that basically come with, like, this sh- with, like, a witty kind of, like, you know, cool show. And, you know, I just think that it kind of, it kind of fails for the most part. I think also, too, I guess another thing that I didn't like about it is that, like I said before, the only people that are going to be watching the show are the fans of the original Cowboy Bebop. And I understand why they wanted to change, like, just about everything about the characters. They basically, I I think for them, it was like a part of them knew that they could not do a complete carbon copy of the TV show. Because I feel like the flaws that the show already had would have been like ten times more obvious. So... I think for them, it was maybe some insecurity on their part, and it was just this decision that, you know, we're going to change, like, major aspects of the plot and the characters, but you run into the other problem, is that, is there a big enough audience out there that's willing to just, like, jump into this fresh and, you know, watch this new show, which is basically like a Quentin Tarantino Firefly 
Josh Whedon blend, you know, that they're kind of go that they're trying to go for here. I think that there weren't enough new people that could actually like latch onto the show mainly. And I think, you know, to a lesser extent, I don't know, you can kind of agree or disagree with me on this one. But I feel like the anime, uh, the Cowboy Bebop anime fans that were out there were like really like ripping the show a new one. And I don't know if it really like negatively contributed to the experience of like new people who had never watched the show uh, will watch the original anime, but were familiar with it. I think honestly, those echo chambers, you know, considering how like internet culture is like so like balkanized and like siloed off i think the people that watched that show were barely even aware of like the fan vitriol unless you were just unless you were someone who was also always like on twitter but trying to bring in a new audience for this thing i think was going to be kind of a losing proposition from the start and I'm sure there's some other people, there's probably some other critics that would agree with me on this, but uh, you kind of dissatisfy the fan base by changing all of these things about the characters, and, you know, we'll get into that soon, but it's like, you know, you're changing the characters, you're somewhat changing uh, the plot line, you have, um, you're trying to bring in a new audience with this kind of, with this kind of new storyline, and, you know, I think for new people, you know, it was basically like it didn't like resonate with them as much as Netflix thought thought it would. And the fans just basically like the like a lot of big fans like actually rejected this, the show. I kind of, you know, said a few things about the show that, you know, I didn't really like about it. But to be honest, I mean, here's the thing. It's like, I think it was kind of just doomed from the start. Because like I mentioned before, like, anime adaptations just do not work in American, like, television movie business. Because if you're really going for it, and I mean really going for it the way this show did, you have to suffer, you know, through, like, the Uncanny Valley effect of watching animated, like, characters that you're familiar with being real people. And let's be honest here, like, anime as a medium, it kind of has, since it is animated, there is a lot of rope for it to be, like, wacky and bizarre looking. And when you try to do that, like, in real life, when you try to, you know, bring that kind of when you try to bring that style like into like a real like TV show or movie, you it just looks like cringe and weird. And it just it just looks really bizarre. Almost I wanna say it's almost like watching a live adaptation of like a Saturday morning cartoon. It's basically the equivalent of that, except everyone's allowed to say the F word or whatever. And I just think that that is, like, where the major disconnect was with the show. And I think that uh, that when you look at the differences, too, like, for example, uh, Jet, 
he's like a single dad. You know, that was one thing that was different about it. One thing that they changed to was that uh, Spike Spiegel, I think they basically reveal his syndicate ties. They basically reveal them within like the first episode. And then Faye Valentine, you know, there wasn't really a whole lot. Uh, they didn't really push the amnesia thing too hard hard with her. Uh, she was just kind of like, you know, I'm kind of like a badass chick, which whatever. I mean, I'm cool with that. Like, they, they, they certainly were more interested, I think, in doing just like an episodic, kind of like serialized, like bounty hunter series. They weren't too interested in going like into like the deeper aspects of the characters, which is really too bad because honestly, the actors that they picked for these were actually really great choices. I think like everybody is giving it like 110%. And that's kind of what makes this frustrating for me is that the problem with Cowboy Bebop isn't so much a problem with like the adaptation itself, but just a problem with like the television and movie industry in general right now, which is you know, you have these executives who are just too afraid to, like, try something different, so they have to go back, you know, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years to find some obscure but popular, like, show or movie that everyone liked, and we're going to do a whole new reboot on it. I think that, honestly, they just wanted... I think what, what what it was is that they wanted a bounty hunter, you know, like some future bounty hunter TV show. And, you know, they wanted to make a, they, 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 they wanted something like Firefly, basically. And, you know, instead of just doing like a whole new show with John and Daniela and Mustafa and everybody, you know, just kind of like hanging out together you know, it doesn't even have it, and you know, it didn't even have to be like Cowboy Bebop. It could be like John Cho and friends, like Space Bounty Hunter Adventures, or whatever the hell you want to title it. But I mean, to them, it's like they're so afraid that nobody is going to watch it if it's just John Cho, Mustafa, and friends, the Bounty Hunter crew. They have to have, they have to tack on, like, a recognizable IP as, like, the title. So, of course, why not Cowboy Bebop? Why not do an adaptation of that show? And, you know, it's kind of like, um, I don't know, I, I don't want to, I feel weird about bringing this up, but it's like Terminator Dark Fate, you know, it was basically a movie, it was like a Terminator sequel, but you had... It was basically like a movie that wanted to be a future, you know, robot killer movie without actual Terminators in it, but they still use Terminator Dark Fate as the title when it could have just been called like Legion, a Terminator Chronicle. So, you know, it's some weird like, I, almost like schizophrenic thing where it's like they want to... They want to come out with new shows, but they want to tack on these like recognizable titles that only the fans would, you know, that only the fans would perk up and be interested in. And then they watch it and they're not exactly getting like the show that they're, you know, that they thought they were. And the people who 
might actually be interested in this thing are kind of turned off because they're like, oh, it's some, you know, stupid nerd thing. And, you know, I can't really enjoy myself with a bunch of people online complaining about it. So maybe, you know, whatever, forget it. But I mean, I think that that is just like one of the major problems that it was just up against. And another reason why I think it was kind of doomed from the start. I don't know what else to really say about it. I mean, it was a show that had, that kind of had some potential, didn't really live up to the hype. There's not a whole lot else. I don't know. It's just, it's just kind of depressing is what I have to say. And, you know, while the cancellation wasn't really a surprise to me, what did kind of surprise me about it, I suppose, was the fact that there really was like a huge polarization online because, I don't know, there were a lot of people out there that really wanted this thing to succeed. And I can totally see how, you know, everybody on that crew, cast and crew, were really trying hard. But, you know, it just didn't measure up. Chances are, Netflix is probably going to do it again with something else. Who knows where that's going to go. I feel like it's really, we might just be cursed to just, you know, having to deal with these executives that are just going to throw money at it until something actually sticks. Whatever happens, we'll see, and we'll be there to watch it and hate it. Or maybe just ignore it like we should have done in the first place. Anyway, thank you for listening. This is Philip Hauser for Cinema Enigma Podcast. This podcast was edited and produced by George Ray. Script and uh, other show notes were written by Philip Hauser. If you want to check us out, go on to Cinema Enigma Pod on Facebook or Cinema Enigma on Twitter. Uh, Comment, you know, leave us a review. If you liked what you uh, saw here, you know, feel free to comment. If you didn't like it, uh, say that you hated it and that it was a piece of shit and I'll never do this ever again. Maybe, maybe not. Anyways, hope you're having a good day. And uh, yeah, you know what? Just keep watching. Keep watching what you love. Keep, uh, you know... Keep checking things out, and I'll see you on the flip side. Or, see you, Space Cowboy.